Hello there, and welcome to this Avenard and CIO podcast series, investigating how IT and security leaders navigate uncertainty and beyond. I'm Doug Drinkwater, contributing editor at CIO, and today I'm joined by Avenard's Eric Allen and Paul Veach. Eric is Modern Application Transformation Lead, and Paul is Head of Insurance. Guys, welcome both. Thanks for joining me today. Great to be here. Nice to meet you. Fantastic. So in this third and final episode, we're going to be discussing application development and how it's been modernized in recent years. And over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to look at how application development has evolved over time. We're going to look at the rise of Agile and DevOps and what that means for your application state and your teams as well. Crucially, we're going to look at COVID-19 and how that's impacted developer and operations teams. We're going to look at the importance of custom applications and also the value of MSPs and how they can help. Finally, we'll hopefully be sharing some best practice along the way. So uh, let's get into it, really. Eric, I want to start with you first. And obviously, right at the start there, I've just mentioned about how application development has evolved in recent years. Um, what, what's your take on that? How have we seen this, this evolution in recent years? Yeah, sure thing. I think um, you know, there's a number of different ways we could go uh, with that broad question, but I think to focus in on first, I think one of the major shifts that we've seen in app development has been around the kinds of apps that we build in business, and that's a shift from you know big monolithic applications, sort of one app to rule them all, into you know a different style of applications, those that leverage uh, cloud-based microservices and and related technologies, and this has come from one of the big things that we've learned in industry. It's a different way of building software that focuses on uh, smaller contained units, uh, software that does one thing and one thing well, um, and so is easier to test, fail, and innovate on. Now, that being said, though, the monolith, uh, that old way of doing things, is still very much with us and is still very much a challenge of the now. Uh, many businesses still run on monoliths and so are unable to take advantage of the speed and agility of microservices and other modern approaches, uh, much to their frustration. And I think it's in in times like, like these, uh, where the business environment is so unpredictable, that that ability to innovate, scale, pivot quickly is becoming a real edge. So, um, you know, Satya Nadella of Microsoft recently observed that we've seen two years of digital transformation in just two months due to COVID-19. So, you know, one thing to take away from this is that businesses are clearly taking notice um, and modernizing to survive. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thanks, Eric, for that. And I think a good opener for what we're going to discuss in the next uh, half an hour or so. I mean, Paul, I guess we mentioned COVID there. We'll, we'll come on to that in, in due course. But in your view, what's that modernization, that application modernization meant for developers, IT and the business? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's different pain points with each of those. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, for, from my perspective, um, the uh, and, and Eric mentioned it um, a little bit earlier, the, the change for business is that they are um, able to innovate um, you know, more quickly with the products that they take to market. Um, and I think that's increasingly important um, because of you know, the fintech startups. Um, and, and if you think about you know, other startups, probably not startups anymore, but uh, very much in, in the agile way of working. So if you think about Microsoft, you know, they deliver change uh, into their Azure environments and into their products, um, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, uh, depending on, um, on which level, um, you know, Google and Facebook releasing hundreds of updates every day. Um, and so I think organizations have had to uh, realign themselves to be much more agile to, to deliver small increments of change, um, be able to test out, uh, you know, their, their products in the marketplace. Um, and that's led to um, 
uh, you know, better customer satisfaction, you know, customer acquisition. And, but I think ultimately what's, um, what the developers in IT do is to enable that, that degree of change. And so that's about adopting modern ways of working uh, to enable that. But I think for developers, what it means is that they've uh, had the opportunity to, uh, you know, get much more in touch with how the business works. They have to be much more skilled. They have to understand how infrastructure works. Um, and I think it's uh, really fundamentally changed the way that, you know, IT operations is work in, in as much as, you know, they need to deal with a lot more flexibility and a lot more change um, uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some good points on, on agility there, because I know we've seen, uh, I guess, the, the big kind of tech giants, the, the Netflix and Facebook to this world, really being able to roll out that code release much quicker than before. I mean, I guess keeping with that theme, and I guess that, that is perhaps the primary benefit here, agility and, and, and speed as well. What are you seeing amongst your customers have been the, the primary business and IT reasons for moving away from those kind of big bang launches of the past? Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, to, to some extent, um, you know, the monolithic uh, ways of working still have a place, but I, I think the, the places that they they are valid uh, are narrowing um, as we get to understand more about how we can uh, be agile um, in developing those applications. I think fundamentally that the move to agile is because those long release cycles lead to high risks of failure. Um, in as much as you know, the business makes assumptions about you know how 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 much they can sell a product for, or or what customers um, can do with the product, and those long lead cycles lead to inherent risk because you're not able to test that with the marketplace um, quickly. And so you know when uh, once you release it after six or twelve months or however long your release cycle is, then fundamentally. You know, you might put it in front of clients and they don't like it. In which case, you've wasted all of that that effort. So, um, the agile way of working is to you know deliver incremental small change at low risk, which means mm-hmm. the businesses can take take more risk in in testing out different products. Yeah, no, makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I guess what we're speaking about here, agile. Um, obviously, a lot of organisations moving to a kind of DevOps way of working. Um, Eric, from your view, how standard is that right now in industry? You know, we're, we're seeing, and, and I guess what benefits are they seeing there as well? Because we, you know, certainly here in the press, we see a lot of hype um, around agile, DevOps. They've almost become these big industry buzzwords. So how, how do you see DevOps? What's the kind of the state of play in industry at the moment? Yeah, so interesting and, and really is a good pickup from some of the points that Paul was just making. Uh, but you're right, there, there's a lot of hype around uh, DevOps as a concept and, you know, and, and it can be just a buzzword. And unfortunately, a lot of customers are, are treating it as a buzzword um, and so not really taking it as seriously as they would need to uh, to get uh, get benefit. Uh, but when it's taken seriously, you know, DevOps really does unlock uh, that kind of ability to be agile that Paul was talking about before. You know, DevOps is all about uh, confidence and consistency. And when you can like reliably and repeatedly test and deploy your application in in minutes or seconds rather than, you know, weeks and months, you know, you have that confidence to experiment and innovate. You know, uh, you know Paul was talking about, you know, 
you know, the the old the old days where we'd have uh, you know long code freeze periods and features often sort of sitting behind uh, behind release cycles for months before getting out to your users. What the benefit of DevOps really is is that you know that allows you to be agile and get those changes out to your users when they need them um, and not when it's actually too late and maybe your competitors have got there first. Uh, just a, a quick example I could bring of a, a company doing this right is uh, Centrica Trading. You know, they've recently become the world's first energy trading company uh, with Avanade's help uh, to move their data center operations uh, to the cloud. And it was only possible uh, because they embraced DevOps as a key element for that, uh, for the both the applications and infrastructure side of their of their business. The really impressive things here, they did this with zero business interruptions um, and really drove significantly higher performance for their business, lower time to market, uh, those sorts of things. So it's really a truly impressive result. But I think the message here is that, you know, when you know, DevOps is really taken seriously, it is that that huge enabler, enabler rather, of, of business value. Mm-hmm. The Centrica example is a good one. I think we heard that on that episode one as well. Uh, I mean, we're hearing the business benefits here, Paul. Um, but I guess going back to that developer piece for a second, you mentioned about the importance of developers being close to the business, I guess, close to the infrastructure as well. In terms of their skill sets, the kind of the languages they're using and the ways of working, how is how has this move to DevOps influenced them? How is it kind of changing their role, really? Um well, I, th- I think um, you know if you, if you think about you know development of the past, you were very much focused on a on a niche part of the of the overall solution. So it could have been the front end, you know, uh, it could have been some you know, C plus plus to do do the number crunching, or uh, you know, you might have been a database expert. I think developers have had to become much more all round uh, capable people. Um, so you know, you'll you'll typically hear a full stack. Developers, well, those full-stack developers are people who who genuinely understand the end-to-end uh, of delivering that that piece of capability. Mm-hmm. And I think, in a way, you know, what that does is is it lets the um, the developers evolve in in their capability. So, you know, not just thinking about one thing, but thinking about the end-to-end um, you know journey of how how do you deliver that piece of functionality into production? How do you make it reliable? Um, and and uh, you know how do you uh, think about how the customers will, will interact and use your your piece of functionality? Fantastic, thanks, Paul. That actually nicely leads me to my next question, which is perhaps the elephant in the virtual room, and that is COVID nineteen. Um, and obviously, we've seen huge impact on organisations worldwide, but also in terms of IT projects being kind of cancelled or put off, postponed. Um, Eric, perhaps kind of keeping you know, going to yourself on this, how have you seen the impact on those developer and operations teams? How are they adapting to this so-called you know, new normal and working from home? Yeah, a good question and, you know, element in the virtual room indeed. Um, I think maybe a way of uh, answering that would just be to give a really sort of close to home example of, of Avanade ourselves and what we've done, how we've responded to this challenge when it came uh, came to lockdown. Um you know, we've we've got a, a a story we're pretty proud of here, which is that we were able to, you know, looking globally, rotate about 300,000 of our people um, to working from home uh, in just about a week uh, across all of our global delivery locations, and that's from you know where they had been working on a combination of client site and from our delivery centers, uh, and we were able to do that, you know again, in a week with virtually no SLA or other target misses, uh, which is something we're actually really proud of, that we were able to sort of keep that that ex- expectations of our clients really really there and, and 
basically what that means is keep our developers and operations team productive. And, you know, obviously this was not without challenge, but I think probably the biggest challenge in, in that uh, process was getting the realization sort of acceptance from our clients that this this was coming, right? I mean, this was something that they, you know, they could either embrace um, and, you know, realize that, you know, that this rapid work, rapid, sorry, rapid shift to remote work, it's happening now. It's something that we can do, we can do together, we can do it well. Um, and for those clients who sort of got on board with that, you know, we were able to to succeed and essentially give them the continuity they would need going into lockdown. Uh, unfortunately, not the case for all of our clients, but uh, for a good, good chunk, we were able to do that. Uh, and I think you know, what enabled us there is that we as Avanade, we've been a cloud-first organization for quite a while. We're massive users of Teams and, and tools like Azure DevOps. And so essentially, we were already enabled to work uh, remotely on a massive scale. So all of the sort of the, the preconditions were already there. But then thinking about your, your question, specifically developers, operations people, um, you know, I think technical people are some of the best equipped for these changes we've seen anyway, right? Developers, uh, you know, they sort of make a profession out of embracing tools to make themselves um, and their teams more effective um, and have been for a long time finding ways to work effectively with remote colleagues with, you know, great examples in the open source world, uh, to the communities on GitHub, uh, and even to the like multitude of tech companies that operate fully remote themselves. So, uh, you know, it's definitely been an impact, but, uh, you know, we've managed it. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the companies and firms out there have done it as well. Yeah, thanks, Eric. I think it's some good, a good example there. Not only the, the flexibility, I guess, of, of developer teams, operations teams as well, but also going back to our previous conversation the other day of, of the importance of the culture piece as well. You know, bringing your people with you, that process piece as well. Um, technology, as many CIOs say, is often the, the you know, still, still can be still be troublesome, but uh, often the le- least difficult piece, perhaps. Um, I mean, Paul, coming to you on this then. Uh, and I guess you've touched on this a little bit earlier, but may, how, how do you ensure your developers are working on the right things in the interest of the business? Because you could argue right now that's more important than ever before, really. Yeah, so it's a little bit earlier. We, we talked about, um, you know, focusing on on the deliverables to, to the end customer. And so what you need to do um, to have your developers working on the right things is, is have your product strategy correct. Um, so you need to understand your markets. Uh, you need to understand uh, you know, pricing and business case and budget management. And all of that needs to be you know, wrapped up in, in a, an individual who can be the product owner um, you know, using a product management approach to deliver that functionality. Um, and so that needs to be a you know, fairly senior person who's got lots of experience of, um, you know, of all of those pieces. Um, it could be someone you know, senior in sales, someone senior in marketing, um, someone in your, you know, your business operations team, or or people that have been involved in in product and pricing for many years. And so I think what they need to do is they need to identify what their overall strategy is, and and then you have this, you know, very flexible, very capable team who can build that functionality for you. And so it's about identifying what your clients want and when they want it, and then be getting the team to build that. So I think that's that's fundamentally the right, you know, the the approach to this is to is to understand all of that, construct a strategy and then execute on that strategy, but be willing to adjust the strategy as you get feedback from, you know, putting the product in front of your clients. Yeah, that flexibility is, is crucial right now, isn't it? I, I know certainly a lot of CIOs are kind of seeing that as, 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 as I think what Gartner calls adapting in the turns or kind of um, 
uh, equating their role to the speed sk skater, if you like, be able to, to move at any given point, really. Um, I mean, Eric, I want to change gears a little bit and come to the customer applications. Um, what, why are they so important today for organisations? I know, uh, Avenard, you've done some research that found that I think basically nine in ten executives um, know that customer applications are essential to achieving a competitive advantage and and then that has an impact on growth and increasing sales and revenue so um, how do you see the role of applications today out there in the market yeah that's right so our you know our research has shown that you know as you say nine and ten uh, executives are seeing this as a clear differentiator and you know i'm absolutely going to agree with that but to start with you know, I want to say that, you know, while custom apps are definitely important, they aren't always the right answer and in many cases are the wrong answer, actually. So if you're trying to do something as, as a business that has been done before and could be considered commodity, you know, there's likely a SaaS product out there that you can take advantage of that's going to do the job like really, really well. Uh, when you should be looking to custom apps is, you know, it's when you're doing something unique, something differentiating to your business. Uh, you know, frankly, where we think a lot of like the interesting stuff is in a business, that, that's where custom apps come into the picture. So, you know, when you want you know the flexibility to adapt rapidly to a market you know create a differentiated experience and ultimately i think sort of shape your own destiny using software as a way to go out you know even define a market that's where custom software comes in um and it's you know it's it's custom software with human-centered design at its heart le leveraging modern engineering approaches like agile and devops that really give you that edge right you know because uh, you have to be really thinking about your users um, and embracing those techniques that we've already talked about earlier that, that really give you that ability to to pivot uh, you know pivot on a dime uh, as as we uh, might say in north america where i'm from um so you know, I, I say they are very important. Uh, again, it's really all about you know being able to you know, push for something that is going to impact your 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 business growth, uh, sales and revenue. Um, but I want to caveat again at the end with what I said at the beginning of this answer. They aren't the answer to every business challenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where a lot of people get frustrated, maybe with with custom apps, where they think, oh, you know, these things are expensive. You know, it's because if they're not being yeah, aimed at the right kind of problems where they'll be able to be additive to your business, they're not the right answer. But when they are, they're really, really powerful. Fantastic. Thanks, Eric. I mean, I, I guess where I want to go to next as we're coming towards the end is that the, right at the start of this podcast, I spoke about we were going to look at um, application modernization. And Eric, keeping with you on this, but what do you think that looks like in the middle of a crisis as we are in at the moment because i guess there's a lot of things to contend with for teams here we're seeing a lot of hype around containers uh, microservices kubernetes but conversely at the same time we're also seeing as i mentioned a few moments ago that you know it projects are getting postponed they are getting cancelled owing to it budget freezes and in some cases developers are being put on furlough depending on size of organization as well so in your view how do you how do you approach application modernization what does it look like in, in the middle of a crisis uh, maybe I'll start by telling you what it definitely doesn't look like. Um, you know, it's it's no longer the sort of big bang, multi-year, uh, really expensive, long time to value uh, transformation that, uh, you know, we might be used to in the past. You know, those things are gone, they're dead, you know, good riddance to them. You know, the thing that I, I hear from my clients, you know, I'm speaking to CIOs, CTOs on the regular is they they need a short path to value. Right. And so when we're thinking about modernization, we have to keep that in mind that we are, you know, modernizing for a particular business goal. And we need to be able to show, particularly at times like these, that, that we're re returning on value relatively rapidly. Um, and, you know, 
given that, you know, we at Avanade, we've embraced what we call evolutionary architecture, which is about building systems and working on systems where they can continue to adapt and evolve to change, right? So expect change. Change is changes here now, but it, it will always be here. Um, and so when we're, we're applying that to modernization, you know, we, we look at legacy systems, which are, you know, as often, you know, legacy is, is felt as a bit of a bad word, but actually legacy systems, that's a place where there's been a lot of investment over time, right? There, there's a lot of value in there in terms of business rules about, you know, the way that a company operates, that sort of thing. And so what we seek to do is work with our clients to you know, in a sort of short period of time, help them unlock some of that investment that's currently tied up in their their legacy systems. And we do this, you know, we have quite a well-proven process where we can, you know, a collaborative workshopping effort that's about three weeks, we can define what that evolutionary architecture for this older system would look like, and then follow that up with another six to eight weeks where we, we prove it out and actually get some real real business value exposed through microservices that the business can start using to, and, and innovating on. So, and that, that's what I'm sort of, when I say sort of short path to value, that's the kind of thing that I mean. So we're sort of about, you know, six to eight weeks, uh, maybe slightly longer than that into a program. You've already got something that you can use to innovate on top of. Um, you, you asked at the, at the beginning, you know, when we think about, you know, should these modernizations be a priority? You know, what would you say about them getting postponed or canceled? You know, I think, it's it's a it's a question that we need to actually maybe reframe. Actually, um, you know, if uh, if this these legacy applications are holding you back and they're they're you know causing a challenge uh, for you and your business to adapt to the kind of change that we have right now um, and the you know the kind of change that we expect is probably still coming. You know, we're, we're not out of this this COVID nineteen situation yet. Um, and if you could move forward on that, you know, in just sort of six to eight you know, to 12 weeks, you know, is it something you can actually really afford to wait on? Uh, and, and that's obviously that's a question that every business leader will have to answer for themselves. But, uh, you know, I would suggest perhaps not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Eric. And actually, a yeah, really interesting points there, I think, on the, the short path to value, because um, uh, on CIO.com's virtual summit last week, we heard from one CTO who said that, um, it gone from a case of being, uh, and this is quite a big multinational organization, bear in mind, but it gone from projects of $1 million and, and six months to a case of, of $100,000 and a massive of weeks. So it's that that speed that they require um, as well. And, and I think that's changing the dynamics within their organization as well in terms of sign off and who they work with. Um, I mean, Paul, I guess the, the next area I want to come to as we come towards the end here is, and Eric's kind of led this up quite nicely, um, in terms of the value of a managed service provider. Um, where where do you think organizations at the moment are relying on the MSPs to, to kind of manage and evolve their applications and to speed up application development? Um, or is it to offer additional skills as well? Where do you see the most value uh, that the MSPs, MSPs can bring to organizations at the moment? But, uh- what I would say is, is the conversations that I increasingly have with with uh, with clients. Um, you know, they, a lot of them have been trying to tackle their legacy of, of you know their their application portfolio. Um, you know, many hundreds or thousands of applications and moving those to the cloud. And I think you know where MSPs can help out is to um, you know take on those applications. You know, bring them under control. Um, you know, we, we have the scale to be able to to deliver on that and, and the experience of doing that across many of these large organizations. Um, 
because then it can kind of break the back of, of the problem and, and start to help you to focus on um, the, you know, the how, how do you become a product oriented organization? Because there's, you know, there's a big degree of, of, of change in doing that. Um, and increasingly, we're helping clients out with that journey as well. So more sort of providing niche skills to help them become uh, agile, you know, implement mm -hmm. agile ways of working in product management. Um, but I think fundamentally, you know, I, I'm seeing some really interesting you know, deals that we're doing with clients um, with, you know, us carrying some of the capital investment in moving that uh, those, those applications to the cloud um, because we've confidence that we can we can pay back the savings. And so, you know, see some really interesting deal shapes um, that, that MSPs are offering uh, to, to help clients out with this journey. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Uh, I guess we come to the end, but my final question, I always like to finish on some good practical advice. So, Paul, perhaps I can start with you on this. And I mean, I guess to any IT leaders kind of listening in today, what, what kind of best practice gu or guidance would you offer to them? Uh, they perhaps are looking to modernise the application development. What would you be saying to them right now? So, so I, I would kind of start with the end in mind, um, you know, which for, for many organisations, uh, you know, is going to be a product management approach because that's what gives you the, the business leaders the, the ability to innovate and, and create new products and, and uh, you know, work in, in the world that, um, that we're moving to and people expect. And then once, once you've put that product uh, management approach in place, then work back from there. So, what are the enablers to, to allow you to get there? And, and you know, it will be things like uh, you know DevOps. Uh, be about continuous deployment, and it will be about cloud. And so, treat those things as a not you know not as a uh, uh, a means to an end, but to um, in, in themselves, but as an enabler of, of becoming a more agile organisation with a small a. Um, such that you can deliver innovation and change to your own clients. Agile with a small day, I like that. Um, and then Eric, finally over to you and, and your final kind of words of wisdom really to anyone listening today. Yeah, sure. I think really just picking up on a number of the themes that uh, Paul already nicely laid down. You know, um, you know, one thing that we see, you know, bringing your business and tech teams closer together, tearing down silos and focusing on driving real business value. I think that's how a lot of uh, a lot of companies really start to get a lot more out of their technology deliveries is when they're they're really focused on what are we trying to do here. You know, embrace human-centered design, agile with the small a, as we just talked about, and, and really take advantage of the amazing modern tooling that we have available to developers, designers, product managers, operations people, that sort of thing. And I think my final bit would be just, you know, you're not in this alone. So so don't reinvent the wheel. You know, if, if any of the themes that we talked about uh, today uh, from modernization to anything else, you know, sort of resonate with you, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, essentially. You know, we at Avanade enable organizations to become agile, nimble, address change more readily. Uh, so if you're ready to do any of that, let's have a chat. Fantastic. Thanks, Eric, for that, for those final comments. And, and thanks to you both, really, for taking part today and for your insights. Really enjoyed the conversation. So thanks for taking part. Thank you. Thanks very much. Fantastic. And of course, thanks to you listeners for tuning into this episode. This actually marks the end of the Avenard and CIO series, but I do encourage you to listen to the other episodes on cloud and cybersecurity if you haven't yet had a chance. Alternatively, should you want further information on the topics we've discussed today, you can head to avenard.com 
or CIO.com. For CIO, I'm Doug Drinkwater. Thanks for listening and goodbye.